Well, I want to um, welcome you. Um, if you haven't been with us before, we are in the midst of uh, a study of First and Second Peter. And uh, for you, just a quick uh, comment. If you're at all interested from an announcement perspective, we, we are starting up um, uh, an art of counseling, uh, which is a training class. Um, there will be eight sessions. Uh, they are, um, st- we're starting up this Thursday. There's a sign-up for that. It'll be in the Gathering Cafe um, as you walk in to the right there. Um, so if, you're, if, if you would like to sign up for that, um, please do. Just a quick overview of it. Um, it's uh, a variety of pertinent topics such as the importance of counseling, Holy Spirit as the counselor, interpersonal ministry skills, group dynamics, effective leadership of small groups, common issues God's people face, ethics, how to counsel, and the class is really designed to give those who are interested in being people helpers a stronger understanding of what is uh, what that helping process looks like and how to do it. So, just want to encourage you if you're at all in, interested in in uh, in people. Hopefully, that's all of us. <laughs> then uh, this class can help you. Okay. So, looking forward to that. It'll be Thursdays nights for eight weeks and uh, should be real valuable time. It, there is a cost to it. $50 per person, $60 per couple if you have shared books. So if you'd like to sign up for that uh, right at, uh, outside of the sanctuary and um, right after the service, you can sign up for that. <clears throat> also, um, we will be uh, um, uh, continuing in our time together this morning um, and taking a look at these questions. Most of these questions we will cover in our time together. Um, in more detail. And when we do, I want to engage you uh, with the questions that you have uh, uh, discussed at your tables uh, this morning. So let's get started. Last week, uh, this, is a, this is a second part of a, of a two-week series on how do we respond to so great a salvation. Um, we have been, uh, uh, th- this study for me personally has just been in- incredibly transforming um, in-, in how I think about many, many things. But um, my ability to understand how to um, navigate trials, understand our living hope that we have to live those, our lives out in the midst of those things in a way that honors God. Um, and then um, just the, the work that Dave, kind of as we co-teach this, um, really brought forward to understand how you know, the, the Old Testament prophets, um, the angels, um, you know, all, of, all of these looked forward to this kind of glorious consummation of Christ coming to earth and, and the work that he uh, has done on, on our behalf. And says that they, they longed for, they looked forward to, they, they, they had peaked interest. This was like front and center in, their, in the way in which they viewed things. And in the same way, the scriptures, Peter says, you know, we should also be having this, like craning our neck, looking forward to this living hope that we have in the future. So, we talked about that last week, and uh, this week we're going to talk about um, responding in holiness and worship. So last week was responding in hope. Um, so um, last week we started with verse 13. It says, therefore, and a few words after that, and which we skipped. And then the end of verse 13 is, um, fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And so just to bring you up to speed as far as what we talked about last week really quickly, we said um, basically therefore here ties back to our living hope, ties back to this salvation that, that is before verse 13. And, uh, and, and, and how, do you, how do you look at that? It's really three parts. It's God's incredibly foreordained 
God-elected plan of record that was determined before the foundations of the world. Secondly, it it's, it's, has a marvelous promise of this glorious and eternal inheritance. And three, three is this, it's, it's intrinsic greatness. And we talked last week about all the different elements and, and manifestations of, of, of how, what, how, why that is so dramatic and stunning and, and awe-inspiring. And so um, we built, built off of that last week. And, and now we see Peter's really transitioning to this imperative mode, the command mode, kind of like, okay, as a result of, of what we've talked about, what should we do as believers in Christ? And so that's where we, we transition to this uh, application side of, of, of Peter's uh, initial um, uh, comments in, in his book, uh, in First Peter. Um, so then we talked about fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Christ. And so we talked about what we should do, fix our hope. And we said that's, um, this is a command. Um, it's really a, a, you know, similar to what the author of Hebrews says in, you know, f- first, in, in Hebrews chapter 12, verse you know, 1, where he says fix, fix our eyes on Jesus, 1 and 2, fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Um, and so it's a it's a decision that we do, um, it, um, and hope we said really um, is is the word confident expectation. I guess another word that um, that uh, uh, we brought out last week I thought was really good. John brought it out was confident confident conviction, confident conviction also. So that was really helped us kind of put our arms around that. But it, but it is not the same way we think of in, in our world as hope. It's really more about just being fully cemented, fully persuaded, you know, locked and loaded, um, making decisions around, that kind of thing in our life. Um, and then we talked a little bit about hope uh, uh, further, and we said, what's the difference between hope and faith? And we said that, that faith is really about trusting God and his promises of, in the scriptures about how I make decisions you know, right now. And then faith, uh, hope is really about looking forward with the promises that God's word tells me today that is going to happen yet in the future, and making a conscientious decision around that also. So that's the difference really between, it's, it's both, they're both faith. But they're manifested in those two different ways. And then we said completely, really was full persuasion, unequivocal, um, uh, not half-hearted. You know, it's interesting that Michael's talking about, you know, half-hearted worship, half-hearted singleness, half-hearted, you know, giving, half-hearted manhood. And so this is that full, unreserved, complete uh, side of, of, of what he's talking about here. And then we said at the bottom here, biblical hope really reaffirms God's integrity. How does it do that? It's not like as though like God's integrity is changing, but, but literally our ability to lean fully into God is manifested in the way in which we make decisions in our life. So how we make decisions really um, reaffirms our trusting in God's character because that is, he says in, 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 in Hebrews, you know, that by his word... And his character, two unchangeable things that he, we, we, that we have this hope in us, um, and so really important. And then we said, what should what, what should our focus be on? It's the grace to be brought to us. It's our glorification. We talked about all the things that are part of that last week. Um, it, 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 and 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 also when it's going to happen. It's going to happen at the at the revelation of Christ Jesus. And um, and we said here that. Um, 
It's fascinating to me that Peter, Peter's whole focus here is not really about that event, no matter how cataclysmic it's going to be and how incredible it's, it's, it's going to bring you know, this world to a, to a point in time of, of, of uh, huge decision-making. But, but it's really focused on our common grace amongst one another, that at the foot of the cross we are all sinners saved by, saved by grace, and that how important that is for us to continue to remember for all eternity that the, that the message of the cross and our redemption is what we will praise God for forever. Amen? Yeah. Um, so, grace began our journey. Grace enables our journey. Grace will characterize our final destination. And great, great news is grace will lead us home. And we finished our time last week by standing and singing Amazing Grace together. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. So today's learning objectives are really the same as last week, which is to continue and, and cement down how we should respond to this living hope how we should respond to this living hope. So if you turn your, your pages to page 2 in your outline, you'll see this at the very top of that. Page 2 at the top. How we should respond to our living hope. So the gray here is what we covered last week, and the blue here is what we're going to cover today. So um, Peter says, uh, Therefore, gird your minds for action. Keep sober in spirit. Um, fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lusts, which were yours in ignorance, but like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves also in all your behavior, because it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. Verse 17, And if you address as Father the one who impartially judges according to each man's work, conduct yourselves in fear during the time of your stay upon earth. And so in the first, verse 13, we said, respond in hope. That's, that's the first point. The second point is found in verses 14 through 16, which has two parts to it. And I asked you this question. What's the fir- two parts of responding in holiness? What's the first part of that? Okay, obedience. Obedience. Okay. Be holy yourselves as also in all your behavior. But how do you do that? It's to not be what? Conform to this world. Okay. And, and it's lust. And then verse 17 says, conduct yourselves in fear. We're going to talk a little bit more about that and hopefully kind of unpack that one also. But that would be respond in worship. Respond in worship t- together. Okay? Um, so let's begin with we must respond in hope. And I want to go beyond just looking at... Um, it, so back to this, this, this verse here, verse 13. If you'll look at it, it says the, the main point is in verse 13 is to fix our hope completely on the grace to be brought to us. Okay? But how we do that is really found ahead of it, which is two things. By girding your minds okay, for action and by keeping sober in spirit. By girding your minds in action, by keeping sober in spirit. So, let's talk about the first one. Um, girding our minds for action. Peter's first modifying phrase here is is all about, as to how we respond in hope, is to gird our minds for action. Uh, This means to prepare beforehand. To prepare beforehand. Any thoughts about what it means to gird? To gird or gird up? (laughs) It's the same general place. (laughs) Okay. 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 Remember Ephesians chapter 6 says what? Gird, 
Okay? So the concept was that, I mean, they wore robes. They wore long robes, right, for the most part. And uh, um, girding really, think about, I think about it for, for us. A good example might be, um, you know, I, I'm going on a vacation, and I have a whole bunch of stuff on the top of the car, and I use the bungee cords, you know, to kind of cinch it down, wrap it down, kind of keep it from flapping in the wind so it doesn't kind of cause problems. Right? It's the same concept here where they would take that tunic if they're going to run or go to action or, or fight or whatever, is they'd pull it up around their waist and cinch it down with a belt. Cinch it down. Keep all the, you know, um, I call it this, you know, dangling participles that are around me, you know, cinched up tight. And uh, so that um, that's not going to cause a problem in my ability to maneuver correctly and to be ready at all times. Be ready. Okay? So that's the, what it means to, uh, is to refer to tightening a belt, cinching up a cord or rope, or tying something down in preparation for a specific action. Um, an example here, like we just said, was to, um, so their legs would be free and unconstrained. Free and unconstrained. Um, Peter uses this as a metaphor to command us as believers to kind of tie up all the loose ends in our lives. Um, uh, give me some examples without looking at that. Give me some examples of, of what are some of the loose ends in our life that would be part of this kind of tying down, girding our minds for action as believers in Christ. What do you think? Yeah. I'm sorry, Paula, go ahead. Okay. Yeah, Hebrews chapter 12, yeah. Exactly. His sins that sin that so easily entangles us. So it's the encumbrances, maybe. Okay, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, so so just the classic cars by themselves aren't are not wrong or anything else, right? But 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 what but what you're bringing up is very interesting is because it it it's a distraction maybe. So sometimes what we're gonna learn here is that the good get sacrificed or the best gets sacrificed by what even might be good in our lives. And so how do you tie up the things that, um, let me just come out and say it, don't align to my purpose and my, my mission in life and my vision for what God's got me here for. Um, that very well could be part of what we're talking about here. I know as men we, we talk the, about this in detail uh, in, the, in, a, in our time away on Saturday. And it was really about, like, like, do we have clarity in our ability to be like Christ, to be like Him in the way in which we live with purpose? We live with purpose. And how do we know that purpose unless we've literally sat and wrestled it to the ground and know what are the dangling participles in our life to tie up in order to align what I'm going to do day in and day out to my purpose that God has called me to. Yeah, really important. Super important. So could be distractions, could be encumbrances, could be sins, could be any of the above, right? Yeah, babe. Caesar. Amen. Amen. And, and what's fascinating is He's now going to the place of like, like rallying them to a command, right? And, and he's building off of wh- why is this so important? It's because you're going through fiery trials in chapter 4, right? Don't be so, so surprised when you encounter fiery trials amongst us, okay? How, well, how do you... I'll tell you, when you're in the dogfight as, as an Air Force... Or, I mean, 
I'll ask you, Captain. Uh, you know, when you're in a dogfight uh, in the Air Force, you know, I mean, y- your vision is not way out here, right? You get tunnel vision on what? What matters most. And the question of the day, basically what he's saying here is get tunnel vision around what matters most. Yeah. Um, gird your minds for action. Have the focus be on what matters most in your life. Amen. And so what are some of the things to discipline our thoughts uh, around? It's, it's how do we think biblically? How do we think biblically? How do we know how to think biblically? How, are we going through the process of understanding the Scriptures in such a way that we let the Word of God dwell in us richly? That's the point. Dwell in us richly. What is richly? That it literally affects the way I think and therefore how I make decisions and what I do. That's what it means. That's what it means to be richly. Um, and, and that we disentangle ourselves from those hindrances that, that so easily beset us. Again, may not be bad, but certainly is not the best, maybe, in our life. And so I challenge you right now, as you think about girding your minds for action, what are the dangling participles in your life? What are they? Are you, are you taking this command seriously in your own personal life after this morning? Are you going to go and think through what's keeping me from being, in this mind, alert? Alert in the things of Christ. Really important. Gird your minds for action. Okay. Um, how should we do it continued? Let's t- first, next is keep sober. Keep sober in spirit. Keep sober in spirit. So here he says, um, this is his second uh, modifying phrase to how we fix our hope. Okay, Keep sober in spirit. Um, turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 7. Would somebody read that out loud? 1 Peter 4, 7. All things is near. Okay, so, so help me understand why... We should be, quote, have sound judgment. First of all, sound judgment and sober spirit. What does that mean then in this context? Sound judgment and sober spirit. Thoughts? Okay. Wise decisions. Okay. Sober. Hmm? Not just alcohol. Exactly. This world system. Yes. How we think. Remember remember, uh, Romans 12, verse 1 and 2? It says, you know, don't let the world, in so many words, you know, squeeze you into the thinking processes that they have, which is, oh, by the way, to think more highly of themselves than they ought to think, right? Um, okay. Self-control, okay. Self-control, okay. It's the idea of being clear-headed. To, uh, uh, clear-headed. Turn, turn with me to um, uh, verse chapter 5, verse 8. Before you go there, though, on, on 7, right? The, one of the things I want to bring up here is this idea of, of, of for the purpose of prayer is the, is the why statement. But, 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 but what's going on in the, in the verse is, is about the end of all things is at hand. And so coming to grips with the fact that we are living in the shadow of eternity, day in and day out, is going to change how you think. It's going to change the decisions you make every day. I use the example of our two-year study on heaven. Let me tell you, it was two years not because it took that long to go through the material. It was two years for me to get cemented in my own mind what it means to live in light 
of eternity. Sometimes people, some, some of us are, are harder to get through and learn things. I'm one of them. But, but that helped me over a long period of time to be focused on that which is coming, our living hope. Um, very much so. So, be, be clear-headed. Um, uh, chapter 5, verse 8. Would somebody read that one? Sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a... Okay, be sober of spirit. Be on the alert. And in this, So, if it wasn't enough to be able to pray uh, well, because we live in the end days, then he's saying here, remember that we are in a war. And you have an adversary, and that adversary is in, is is intent on taking you down, one way or another, neutralizing you. And when you when I wake up every day, you know, do I really think about the fact that I'm in a war? Because if I did, let me tell you, I would be alert, I would be ready, I would be seeing what's coming my way, I would be aware of all my surroundings, and I would be aware of what the adversary does to get my attention to, be, to take me down. Very much so. Yeah. Okay? Uh, somebody want to say something? Yeah. Bruce. Amen. Amen. Appreciate you sharing that very much. By the way, if you haven't met Bruce, this is Bruce. Bruce, everybody. <laughs> um, Good deal. Um, First Thessalonians chapter five, uh, chapter five, verses six, seven, and eight. First Thessalonians five, verses six, seven, and eight. Would somebody read that for us? First Thessalonians five, verses six, seven, and eight. Okay, but he makes this 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 dichotomy between those who are of the darkness and those of us who are of the light or of the day versus the night. And he says, "But let us be sober." Let us be alert. Let us have um, our antenna up, our spiritual antenna up on a, on, a, on a moment-by-moment basis because we are involved in something bigger than ourselves. We are involved in a war and we are involved in, in the manifest destiny of, of God's glory on planet Earth. And that is something that is worth it. That is something that, it, that, is, that, that has an immense value because it's something bigger than who I am, and it's something that, that, that allows me to participate in something that is God's plan of record um, and what He's going to do um, through me if I'm listening. So many times in my life, I have not been listening, and my spiritual intent have not been up, and I've not been alert. And you know what? I forfeited the pleasure of, 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 of serving the King of Kings. I forfeited the pleasure of seeing... Um, maybe my giftedness or my, you know, my ability to come alongside somebody, be able to minister to somebody, be be ready to um, share Christ, share the gospel, share the cross, um, be able to um, come alongside, give somebody hope, um, because I was too focused on myself. And, and and he says here, don't don't be don't be don't be engrossed, so engrossed in yourself in so many words that you are not alert and ready um, to be able to keep this hope right before you um, in how we respond. Um, what, one more that I wanted to look at here was... I'm sorry. Connie, sorry. wrap my arms around this thing about war. I never grew up around that. You know, like not having that intense fear. Because you know, life here is pretty... 
Yeah. You know, that, you know, I think of people in other countries and my mom and dad's story, how they lived through. Yeah. I, I just the intent yeah. of having to be prepared for that is something that I really needed to learn. Yeah. Yeah. And be prepared and recognize the enemies right around the corner. I never had to gird, had to gird myself to be ready for those things. Are what, what's fascinating is there's something happening in the whole warf world of warfare that is um, very very aligned and akin to this this war that we are in as believers in Christ. Because before it was very clear, you fought a country, you fought you know them. You could draw a box around them, and you knew who them was. We we are in the midst of a asynchronous, asynchronous war by which we um, don't always know who our enemy is. And you know what? That makes one have to be on the alert at all times without ceasing. And the same thing's interesting, true, now in our life. I mean, if our, if we knew exactly where where our war was day in and day out, it'd be easy to be alert. You'd know it's coming and you'd know where it's at. But our adversary has a way about him that allows him to be able to um, um, camouflage himself you know, as an angel of light and an ability to hit us where we never expected that to come necessarily. I mean, we can put our garrisons up and our defenses up, but that's not always where it's coming from. And it catches us like that. And so he works through things that are, I'll call it asynchronous in nature, meaning that they are not your normal way of doing things. They're going to come from left field. And so I think that's a really important point. And, and how many in here have actually experienced war? Okay. You can be so uh, separate yourself. Yeah. You need the other. Yeah. And there comes in the yeah. God. Yeah, I mean, that's why it's so important to think biblically because, you know, he has won the war. It's just a matter of, like, seeing it through to the end. That's the power of the resurrection. That is the power that we have to be able to live our lives accordingly. That's a really good point. And, and let me tell you, most people who become depressed and are, like, completely um, out of sorts have much to do with losing hope. They forget this hope laid up before us and, and cemented in their souls. And so bring them hope. Bring them the encouragement of the gospel. Bring them the encouragement of, of, of our glorification. Bring them the encouragement of our redemption. Bring them the encouragement of the fact that we live in community and it will be forever and ever. Bruce. Amen. Amen. In fact, that was one of the verses I was going to read this morning. Was perfect. Yeah, exactly. Because it's like, you know, take heed lest you fall. Yeah. There have been several times in my life when I've stepped forward, I was going to help me. Amen. Thanks. Put it in a context that I think kids would understand better. The wolf is out there. The wolf is a shapeshifter. Never understand what shape that animal is going to be in. We have no power to have our radar out and look for that wolf. We have to draw on the power that is available to us. Amen. Then we can have the radar and the perception to see what is coming at yeah. us. Amen. Mm-hmm. Amen. Yeah, Paula. I think sometimes adrenaline gets up, but also yep. the everyday little Yeah. They pile up, they sneak in there, yep. and they're real happy, yep. and you don't Amen. That seems really important. Amen. Amen. <laughs> and, and it's really having having 
having that ability to recognize those things happening in the in the minutia of life because I, I I completely agree. I, what I found in my life is that is that God prepares me for bigger things when I'm when I've been faithful in the little things and 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 how He brings that through um, is really important. And He gives us the ability to have victory in the little things. But let me tell you. That, that's where the wars are won and lost is in the little battles. I mean, you have a huge war, a great battle, but um, you know, our ability to fight the bigger battles comes from, from, from the way we, we approach the small engagements. So, um, Well, this keeping sober in spirit literally means to not become intoxicated. It's being alert and to not lose spiritual control in, I'll call it imbibing in or being controlled by the, or loving the world's sinful system. Not being controlled by or loving the world's sinful system. You don't have to turn to it. I'll turn and read it. 2 Timothy 4.10 says, um, And Demas, having loved this present world, has deserted me. Can you imagine Paul saying that of a, of, a, of a close confidant and friend? That he loved this present world more than he loved God. And, and that was the indictment on his, his life that's laid out in scriptures for all these centuries. I don't want that to be said of my life. Um, I, I don't think any of you want it of your life. But how did Demas get there? Because of the little decisions of his life that got him there. He was not alert to these major to these, these things. Uh, it's the entire realm of spiritual steadfastness or self-control. It's having the clarity of mind or discipline of heart to be thinking biblically in charge of one's priorities and balancing one's life out. Um, it's not being subject to the controlling or corrupting influences of my flesh. This is the verse you were reading. Um, is you know or the one before this is that you know it's pride that takes us down. But verse twelve says that there's no temptation that uh, has has come upon us that that God is not willing to give us um, a way of escape. And so that's really important in our lives to understand that we've been we've been before the war, wars have. Started first of all, all the things that are gonna we're going to be engaged in. God is literally the, the the controller of that whole thing, no matter what it is. And number two, that He has prepared me to be able to have the ability to navigate temptations and testings well through having a ways of escape to be able to get out of those. And so, take those ways, understand and believe God. Take Him at His word that He has given us that. And, and, and live victoriously to that end. Um, my ability to fulfill this charge really comes from the Word of God and the power of the Spirit in me, enabling me to make those decisions in my life. So that's where it comes from. Keep sober in spirit. Gird your minds. Understand that we need to uh, do this in such a way, um, back to First Peter, that he says, this is how um, we actually fix our hope completely on the grace to be brought to us at the revelation of Christ. That's how we do it, by doing those two things in our life. Well, let's move on to not just responding in hope, but let's talk about responding in holiness. He says, As obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lusts which were yours in your ignorance. Um, turn with me to 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3. Would somebody read, um, uh, would somebody read for me uh, verse 1? Uh, let's do, well, let's tell you what, let's do 2 and 3. Um, 1 John chapter 3, verses 2 and 3. Would somebody read that out loud? When I found this verse, it was like, 
It was a breakthrough in my life that was like amazing, personally. I just, I love this verse because it, it, for the first time, you might have heard so many people who talk about Christians are, are so heavenly minded they're of no earthly good, right? This verse blows that away. Because it basically says, the more I have the ability to lean fully into that which is to come, the better I will be prepared to make the decisions to please God in this, in this moment in my life. Because I will have a reason to make that decision, to, to glorify God. I will have a reason because of that hope that's laid up before me. And so, as I make decisions day in and day out to please God, then, then those decisions, the reasons for those decisions are, are coming from the fact that there's a wider context. There's a future. It's cemented. God is a rewarder of everything. And that He desires my intimacy with Him. And therefore, I'm going to make very different decisions when I live in the, in the realm with the thinking processes that that brings to me in, in the midst of a decision. Very, very, very much different decisions in my life. So genuine hope produces purity of life or holiness. He says, as obedient children, Peter's saying that obedience should characterize every true child of God, just as disobedience does for non-believers. Throughout his, his letters, he, he characterizes non-believers as what? Children of disobedience, sons of disobedience. Well, the reverse would be that we are children of light. We are children of obedience. And he says that's, that should characterize our very nature, is that we obey Him. We obey Him, that this is our it's, it's our pleasure, you know. I love the way Dick Cheney used to always talk about the the, the, the president. He says uh, he used to say, "I serve it the, for, for the pleasure of the president." I always thought that was kind of weird, and I thought about, you know, I was like, "That makes a lot of sense." I serve for the pleasure of the president. Wasn't that cool? How we could say the same thing. In fact, that's like one of my vision statement written down in the back of my Bible is, "I, I live for the pleasure of the King of Kings." That's my that's my that's the, my vision in my life is I live for the pleasure of the I want to live I put it that way <laughs> let me be clear I want to live for the pleasure of the King of Kings <laughs> don't always do that Amen Well what should we not do That's the first part of verse fourteen He says um, uh, Do not be conformed Conformed here means to be um, uh, uh, to, to be shaped by or to be fashioned after um, we already talked about Romans 12.2, um, but it really means to take um, something that is moldable, which we all are moldable, and, and to shove it into a mold such that the mold itself and the characteristics of the mold actually a, a, a shape us. They actually conform us. They actually make us what that mold is. And so we are to be molded by, shaped by, conformed by, this new life that we have um, and not by our old life is, is the point. And so, um, do not be conformed to the form, to what? To the form of lust which were yours in ignorance. So what does it mean, you guys had this conversation at your tables, what does it mean that, to the former lust that you had in your ignorance? In what way was it such that we were ignorant about these things? Share your, share your thoughts if you got to that question. Okay, lack the knowledge. Knowledge of what, Marv? What we should be doing right, okay? How did that knowledge, why was that knowledge lacking, do you think, usually? Just being taught about it, or? Okay, our hardened heart. 
God hadn't revealed it to us. Okay. Other thoughts? Live what? Lived in a culture where yeah. there really wasn't... Okay. Well, creation was your God, the God out there, right? Is that right? Right? Yeah? Yeah. Wow. So you serve the creation rather than the Creator, who's blessed forever, right? Um, amen. Yeah. Our desires lacking. Lacking the Holy Spirit, the ability for us to see rightly, um, to, to judge rightly, to discern rightly. Um, very much so, yeah. Others, yeah. I can tell you about this one. We have a TV at home. We have HD. We have Comcast. But I'm looking at the channels that, that still serve the old one. <laughs> Michael comes over and shows me the new one. It's like, oh, it fills the whole screen. This is really cool. Look at all the details. <laughs> I didn't know any better. It was, it was mine in ignorance. <laughs> Very much so. I think sometimes about learning what the Bible yeah. And so it's almost about rewiring our entire thinking process, isn't it? It's it's really about completely rewiring it completely. So former lust and your ignorance. Um, I'm gonna move forward quicker now if I can. Uh, I'm not sure this is gonna work here. Um, I think I'm out of batteries is what it is. Um, Huh? Can you can you can you sit back there for me? Thank you. Um, just hit down arrow if you would. <laughs> Sorry. Um, to your former lust that were yours in ignorance. Um, when we look at this particular one, um, the word lust, um, as they're getting that going here, is is just these sinful desires, thoughts, evil longings. This is the top of uh, page four for you. Um, and uh, um, these, these are things that basically um, characterize our, our old life, our ability to, um, uh, uh, the way we thought, the way we th- um, have been taught to think, and, the, and our natural responses that come our, our way. Not, not able to get it? It's frozen, oh boy. Um, yeah, so um, if you would... Um, so he says, being saved, we did not know any better. Uh, don't allow the world to squeeze you into its mold like it did before. Don't allow the world to squeeze you into its mold like it did before. Um, at the top of our, uh, uh, page four there. Well, we, next we, the second part of, of, of living holy lives, uh, responding in holiness, um, first is do not be conformed to the former life. The, the second one is... But like the Holy One who called you, be holy also in all your behavior, because it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. Well, what should we do? He says, first of all, our standard of holiness is the very perfection of God. Our standard of holiness is the very perfection of God. It literally is God's glory, of which when we measure ourselves against such, we will always be found wanting. Always. And so... That is our, that's the standard that we are called to. I'm so glad that God does not call us to a lesser standard or allow us to make up the standard, aren't you? I mean, it is the very perfection of God and His nature. Um, he says, be holy yourselves also in all your behavior. So in this life, we will never be sinless um, as God is. Um, but His holiness, His holiness is the goal for which we are to strive or to attain. His holiness um, according to Ephesians 2.10, 2, 
Um, we are equipped by the Word of God and the Spirit of God to accomplish all of this behavior, all of, the, all of this in our behavior. Um, so, uh, because it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. This call to holiness was not new, was not new, but was echoed throughout the Old Testament. So we look back to Leviticus, and we look to many different places in the Old Testament. We look at the New Testament. And this call to us of holiness is something that God has, uh, lays out very clearly. And, and it's that, that, that high standard of His glory um, by which we are to, to measure towards. Well, the third... The thir- so if we must respond in, in hope, we must respond in, in holiness. Verse 17 really brings us to the third way of responding to this so great a salvation. That is that we should respond in worship. John, you were going to say something? Yes, correct. Uh-huh. So we must respond in worship. He says, and if, verse 17, and if you address as Father the one who impartially judges according to each man's work, conduct yourselves in fear during the time of your stay upon the earth. So to conduct yourselves in fear here basically means uh, to revere, fear means to, to revere, to revere, R-E-V-E-R-E, to revere or to stand in awe of, or to respect, to revere. What does it mean to revere? What does that mean? I mean, practically speaking. Talk to me about how do we revere somebody? Look up to them. Okay? What, what's, the, what's the heart attitude that we have in that engagement, usually? Admiration. Okay? Trust. Can't do anything wrong. Certainly I'm not putting them on trial. Right? What else? Exalted, okay? Exalted, what else? Higher standard than, than me, for sure, definitely. Others. Pardon me? The model, the standard, the way in which it um, should be. Yeah. Anything else? Okay, so at the top of page 5, hope and holiness produce a life of worship. A life of worship. To worship someone means to bow down, to bow low, to bow down or bow low in our life, and 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 to hold them in high esteem. Um, uh, and so the, we learn from Proverbs nine ten that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. And so throughout the Proverbs, we see this. We we see built upon this understanding that that knowing God. Getting to know God, who He is, everything about Him, literally is the way that we can have a more exalted view of Him. Because I don't know about you, but every time I find out something more about who God is in my life, I think of Him in a higher way. He's more exalted. There's never been a time when I found out what's true about God and I've thought lower of Him than I did before. Never. It's always been about something higher, more exalted. He says, if you address his father, the, the, the better language here probably would be something like this, where it would read, um, 
And since you address as Father the one who impartially judges according to each man's work, conduct yourselves in fear during your time and state on this earth. In other words, the reason why you have the ability to worship God and live in a place of high exaltation of God is because you call Him Father. So He's both Father and He is God all together in one. And so it brings this entirely new dimension of, of, of intimacy with God that never was really understood or, or capable of being had before, before Christ tore down the veil. Before Christ opened up the access. And so it is, it is our ability to be able to think highly of God and then, uh, as he says, you know, pray in this way, right? Our Father who art in heaven... And so we've, we've been given um, uh, a completely new understanding of, of Abba Father, a close, closeness that, that didn't really exist before um, the cross. Um, he says, the one who impartially judges according to each man's work. As believers, we must remember that our Father is also recording all our works and will judge them to determine our rewards. I am so glad that our, our God is not a receiver of faces. That's what the word bias means. He says that he is not biased. He does not receive how we look versus who we are. He alone has the capability to see our hearts and to be able to make the right um, decisions about who we are. And, and, and you know, because of the cross, you know, we have the ability to be able to, um, to be seen through the blood of Christ in, in everything who we are and, and how, we, how we act. And so as, as being forgiven, um, we, we, can, we, we can lean fully into God as our Father. And we can, we can worship Him accordingly. If you take the other handout I, I gave you um, there, um, what you'll see is um, a number of different um, examples there uh, as it pertains to ideas for cultivating worship. Let me steal this for a second. Um, what we did um, in, our, in our community group um, was try to build this out. Because one of the things I've been really um, convicted of personally is, is not just teaching for content's sake, but to train for godliness' sake. Those are two different things. And, and I, want to, I, want to, I want to make sure that as I teach the Word of God that, that we are um, providing um, application in a way that would allow us to become more like Christ, all of us, and learn how to love one another the way God loves us. And so th- th- we took four aspects of worship that I think are very important. Um, the last two are kind of this, somewhat similar. But the first one is cultivating a high view of God. How do I do that personally? What are the ways in which I do that personally? And gave you some, a number of examples um, here. Um, w- one of the things that, that, that helps me a lot is um, as I read books about who God is, um, I like to write down the essence of things such that I can come back to them and remember them and review them and meditate on those. Um, you know, how many in here have read Knowledge of the Holy? Raise your hand. Okay. All right. So Knowledge of the Holy is a great book that gives you an ability to be able to think highly of God. 
because it talks literally about the attributes. The attributes of who God is are literally, if you go into the um, like like the dictionary, I mean, it's God. <laughs> it's nobody else. It's God. He's transcendent only. He's holy only. He only loves, etc., etc. Uh, and and just a couple examples. Let's say of that is, um, you know, the self-existence of God. God has no origin. Um, he, he's presently. Um, uh, he, origin is a word that can only apply to created things. Apart from God, there is n- nothing is self-caused in this universe. But, but just wrapping your arms around, like, wow, that's amazing. The self-sufficiency of God, the transcendence of God, the eternity of God, the infinity of God, the omniscience of God, the immutability of God, the omnipresence of God, the omnipotence of God, the wisdom of God, the transcendence of God, I said already, the goodness of God, the faithfulness of God, the love of God, the mercy of God, the justice of God, the grace of God, the, lo- the holiness of God, the sovereignty of God, the supremacy of God. I mean, these are just one-word statements about God's being that when you look underneath the covers and you see not just what those are, but also how they affect my decisions and who I am and how I lean fully into God because of, more fully into God because of, it's going to change how I, how I view everything. If God is sovereign and He's on the throne and He does all things well, then I am going to make different decisions in how I, have, how I navigate a trial in my life. Amen? Amen. Well, Dave, would you close us in prayer? Amen. Have a great day.